Three. Three. Two. Oh yeah, actually, I do need to clap. Welcome to the Uloft Podcast. This Michael, is... that wasn't a clap. I'm so bad. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I gotta be <laughs> just like... let, me, let me clap for you, please. <laughs> Good, let's start that okay, because I started laughing. No, keep that. Just keep it. Keep it rolling. We can make that we can make that a part of the intro. Apparently you all need like a clapping session. Here we go. <laughs> we ready. Michael, are you ready? Yes. You ready to watch how to clap? Yes. Here we go. Welcome to the ULOFT Podcast. This is Michael Bond. I am here with the OG host of the ULOFT Podcast, Kendall Kersey. What up? I'm also here with Julia Buggy, Tanner Hoshide. What's up? Patrick Rounds. Hello. And Caleb Fugate. Hey. So we have some really exciting content to go over today. We're going to answer several questions in this episode. These are questions regarding sin and forgiveness and that sort of thing. And so what I want to start off with is just the obvious question that I think a lot of Christians or let's say aspiring Christians, people who are seeking out mm. Christianity, will ask themselves, which is, does God really forgive every sin? I mean, your quick answer would be absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I would, I would think that that would be the quick answer, right? But um, I'm assuming that some people would find it difficult to reconcile um, like a murderer yeah. being forgiven, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or um, an adulterer being forgiven or, <clears throat> you know, we, however far you want to take that. Like, I think that that's, I think that God would, God does forgive every sin. However, I think it's harder for us to reconcile those things. Oh, for sure. So I think it, just in keeping with what you said, Kendall, I think we approach this question as humans with our own human grace as forming the framework for the answer to the question, which is why it seems hard for us to say that God forgives every sin, because particularly the very dark sins and the very wicked sins, they're difficult for us to even acknowledge. If we've done a sin like this, if you've done a sin like this, it can take a lot out of you even to acknowledge the truth about yourself and about Mm -hmm. what you've done. And so the thought of God being able to forgive those things Sometimes we think that that's unfair, that he's just willing to forgive people that have done things which are really terrible. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. God looks at every sin the same, does he not? So. I don't know, does he? Answer that. (laughs) He's looking for a collective agreement. (laughs) You're looking for. (laughs) The the floor is yours. I was looking for a collective agreement. Harmony, not disarray. Yeah, Yeah. The answer is yes. (laughs) True. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, from the point of view of God, like He looks at every every sin the same, and I mean He understands His own thoughts and what goes behind that. But we as humans, obviously, look at lying to your parents and killing someone drastically different. And I think <clears throat> as we lean more into, um. Our relationship with God and um, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can start to understand more, like why God really looks at all sin the same and how He hates how He hates all sin the same. Because as you lean into that, you go, man, all the all the grace that I've received for what might be a big or small sin, according to humans, um, God looks at as sin being all the same no matter what it is and 
I lost my train of thought, so. Well, so tell me what you think about this. Uh, I actually think it's very difficult, and it might be impossible for people to fully and clearly acknowledge the truth about themselves without the forgiveness of Christ available to them. And I think that what they end up doing, if they don't have the forgiveness of Christ, Christ available to them, is that they end up crafting false narratives about themselves. Either I didn't do this sin, or this sin isn't really a sin, or worse, they develop a false narrative about themselves in which they are something like a paragon of moral virtue. And that's really bad because a self-righteous person doesn't see the need for a savior, and they're also willing to be authoritarian in their judgment of others. Or they become a demon that's just un... right. Like on the opposite end of that, we have people who demonize themselves as though God cannot um, re- truly redeem them, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it was something that you said, Kendall, right off the bat. It's like the quick answer is yes, but it's not just the quick answer. Like it's the, it's quick and true. Mm-hmm. Like that's how confident we are in this, that it's, I can quickly give you an answer that is 100% true. But I think, so one of the persons that I, I, I had the opportunity to read in college that really sparked my um, love of reading him um, is this Russian guy um, who I think posed these types of questions the best and kind of wrestled with them the best. Leo Tolstoy is his name. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of him. And in his book, uh, Brothers Karazmarzov, um, he comes up with all of these different stories of just the worst possible scenarios that could possibly happen. One of them is this family. Um traps their daughter um, in an abandoned outhouse, basically, in the cold of the Siberian winters, doesn't feed her, um, doesn't care for her, doesn't, she is trapped in there, she's living in her own filth, right? Um, and it's like, this this girl is four or five, like, what do you do with that situation? Like, we, we like to say, like, bad things, but he takes it to the extreme. Or, like, a kid who is playing around um, and throwing sticks and rocks and stuff because that's what little boys do. Um, and this general comes by and he has his two dogs that he loves more than anything else, right? Um, and the kid throws a rock and it hits the general's one dog on the foot and the dog yelps. And so the general has the kid torn to bits by the dogs. Um, like, what do you do with those situations? Because those are the real situations that do actually happen in this world that we don't like to talk about but are very real. And, and he posed this question, like, what happens when both of them get to heaven, Right? Like, that is not heaven for the kid. That is not heaven for the mother of that child, if that general is there, too. But, it, like, it's in the midst of that that it's, like, the potency of the evil brings out the positivity of the grace, right? Like, the more potent evil is and we see it, the more potent God's grace becomes and real to us. So the more you, like, dig into your own <clears throat> crap in your own life, I think the more you start to realize, like, the, the true blessing that grace is and that, like, there isn't an unredeemable sin. In fact, the... And I'm not saying, like, go dive deeper into sin. That's not it, right? Um, But it's like, even in the muck when you demonize yourself, it's like, man, God's grace just really shines out in those moments, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to, if we're talking about, like, reconciling this thought, right? Um, I think one of the things we have to do is we have to define sin, what it is, and why is all sin the same to God? Yeah. So... Sorry for hijacking, Michael, but I'll ask that question. Like, why is all sin the, the same, same to God? Well, so the word for sin in both Hebrew and Greek 
um, which I'm blanking on what it is in Hebrew, and I don't know what it is in Greek because I don't know Greek. Oh, it's just, thank you, um, it's just missing the mark. It's an, actually, it's an archery term. If you shot an arrow and you didn't hit the bullseye, <clears throat> that technically is what's called a sin, right? So if anything's not a bullseye, it's a sin, which is why it doesn't matter what it is. Whether you're close to the circle and didn't make it in, or you didn't even hit the target at all, like it's all still a sin, regardless. So when you use that kind of analogy, it helps understand that mm-hmm. better, right? If you didn't hit the bullseye, it doesn't matter, right? That's it. Like varying degrees outside or not, if you didn't hit the bullseye, you still missed the mark. Yeah, and that's all that sin is, right? And we conceptualize them as having varying degrees, but at the end of the day, if you missed the mark, you missed the mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point because I would bring it up as uh, the way that I look at it is uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you guys are, always miss the mark. Yes, yeah. we miss the mark quite often. <laughs> They're garbage right now, right? <clears throat> and this whole year, so they were down to like their fourth quarterback, and this whole year we were uh, as a fan base trying to take away moral victories, like well. At least we didn't lose by 30. Or, well, this time, you know, hey, we had our fourth quarterback in there, and at least we just lost by three points, and we were so close to the playoffs. And there's, like, all these moral victories that you try to do to justify a really crappy season. Right. Um, Like, if we had Tony Romo, we would have been Yeah, exactly. But, like, the thing is, is that a win is a win and a loss is a loss. And there is no moral victory. And, like, I learned that from playing sports all my life. Like, if you try to justify the fact that you have you had a, quote-unquote, uh, a, a moral victory in in uh, sports, your coach is going to laugh at you and be like, right. yeah, but you didn't Still win. Still a loss. Yeah. Right. Still a loss. Like, it is black and it is white, right? <laughs> yeah. And so um, I think that that's the thing that we look at in, in Scripture is that <clears throat> even from the beginning of time, like, anything that is against God that misses the mark, anything... It doesn't matter how big or small, it is a L. Like, you are going to take an L on that bad boy. It is a sin. It is completely against God, whether it be big or small. And I think if we could have an understanding of that context, that anything against God is sin, Mm -hmm. then it's a little bit, it's not real easy, it's a little bit easier to try and reconcile, like, that his grace is sufficient enough, that his grace is big enough, you know? So I think that the illusion that people have about there being like a hierarchy of sins in God's sight Mm -hmm. comes from a reality that there is a hierarchy of difficulty when Mm -hmm. it comes to repentance. I don't think that somebody who's ready and able to watch a child be ripped to pieces by dogs is in a place where repentance is going to come easily to them. And therefore, forgiveness is not as available to them as somebody who has already hit rock bottom, who's already ready to turn. I mean, it is, in a sense, as available to them, but the person has to come to come to acknowledge the truth about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is like a, what do you think about that? Do you think that there are certain people who are just so far into godlessness that their chances of forgiveness are less simply because their chances of repenting are not as great, that they're... Mm-hmm. They're more, their hearts are hardened. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> from experience, knowing um, where I was before I really turned my life around, um, <clears throat> my heart was hard, and I was just at the point where I was like, well, sin is sin, uh, I'll get forgiven anyway. And my heart was so hard that I just lived my life and did whatever I wanted 
and I got to a point where the only thing I felt like I could turn to was God. And when you when you hit rock bottom like that and you can only turn to God, I think that <clears throat> when it comes to that, you have this sense that if the only thing is God, then I want to do what I can to make things right with my life and really turn this around. Like, I know I did all this crappy stuff, but, man, I know that God's grace is abundant, and even if I feel like I don't deserve it, then he still gives it to you. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I'm wrestling with, and I think this is just, like, the more we wrestle with just the complete and utter brokenness that this world that we exist in, like, I, I think there's something to that. And it's like, people sometimes are willing to accept forgiveness. What they're not willing to do is accept forgiveness for other people sometimes. Like, you're sexually assaulted as a kid by your uncle. And it's like, man, I don't believe in forgiveness because if I do, that means that guy has to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's like an unwillingness to want to believe in this because it has greater ramifications that this evil, horrific deed can go unpunished, maybe. Or th- there's no justice in forgiveness, right? And, and there's a, a sense of need for justice in moments like that, right? Um, where forgiveness seems to override that, right? Like if my uncle who sexually assaulted me, I don't have an uncle who sexually assaulted me, but um, if he can be forgiven, why would I want that, right? Yeah, and I That's think- not great, I don't want that. Right. And so the people, when people look at that situation and they think, well, there's no justice if he's forgiven, then they're, they're, they're simply overlooking the cross at that point, right? Because that's where the justice is had. And uh, when Christ takes the sin upon himself and the punishment upon himself. So justice is being served in that sense, but it, it's an easy trap to fall into, right, Caleb? Right. About like th- sort of setting the crucifixion Especially if aside. I don't care for the cross. It's like, man, I want that guy to burn. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, I want him to go to hell. That's mm-hmm. people's, like, real thoughts that we're mm-hmm. working with here, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I could give a rip that Jesus died on the cross. I want this guy to burn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, that's the, that's where the rubber meets the road in situations like that. It's like, I don't have answers for that, right? Like, I have people coming to me, not quite that extreme, but I have church members of mine who are just, like, dealing with the crap in their life. And it's like, what do you... Man, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I do. And it's the quick and true answer. Like, I know mm-hmm. it's true, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't see palp- <clears throat> It doesn't seem palpable to people who are going through junk like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess that when it comes to this idea of is every sin forgivable, is it really forgivable, the two traps that we want to avoid are something like self-righteousness and the insistence that I don't need forgiveness and also the trap of being unwilling to forgive others because of your own issues with that person. I think there's also a third trap, and I'll ask you about this, is that um, what about the trap of, yes, every sin is forgivable, I'll go Great. do what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Talk about this like a little bit ago. Yeah. Heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, right? Yeah. So yeah. how do you um how do you stay away from that trap, I would say? Like what is what is a way that, that we can stay away from that trap? I don't think I've ever heard Patrick or Julia talk uh, at all in this podcast. So I'll ask the question <laughs> to y'all two. <laughs> I'm taking it over. God God does tell us that um you know, there's 
grace abundance and that, um, you know, no matter how many times we fall short, that he's always going to be there to pick us back up. But that doesn't necessarily give us an excuse to uh, stay in our sin. I know we even talked at one of our nights at United um, one night about um, being in the light and walking in the light versus uh, allowing yourself to um, stay in the darkness or at least not allowing God to do a transformation in your life that brings you into the light. And so um, even though there is forgiveness while you're stuck in your darkness, um, you know, the grace that we're talking about receiving here is there um, to redeem us from our darkness and bring us into the light. Um, so the trap that you're talking about of uh, grace is abundant, um, you know, God's forgiveness is there even whenever I'm in darkness. Um, <clears throat> yes, he continues to forgive us, but the, um, the way that <clears throat> we are initiated in our relationship with God and the fact that we believe that uh, he has come and died for us and saved us from our sins is that um, being saved from your sin means that you're not still in that darkness. You're not, mm -hmm. not living that life um, anymore. And I was on my phone a little bit ago because I was looking up some verses, so I'll kind of tie into my thoughts because I have... Uh, what I think runs in my family, it's called uh, French horn brain. <laughs> okay. Like 40 feet. I'm of, intrigued. There's like 40 feet of tubing like. in a French horn. Uh -huh. And so it takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it comes out, it's like, so Okay, I've got it all now. It's hard to control. Yeah. If you didn't learn yeah. anything else today on the podcast, you learned French, French horn brain. 40 feet. Also, it's actually French just called brain. the horn. But Okay, well. That's uh, beside the point. Um. So there's a verse Back in to be confused uh, with all the other horns. That John John 16. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, and I think um, basically any sin that you can think of can be tied back to some form of not believing mm. in God um, or who God says He is or who God says I am or the people around me are, and so. Um, when we lose sight or we don't allow ourselves um, to see or allow God to show us who he is um, and the identity that he's given us, um, it's really difficult to continue to walk into a life of righteousness and being saved and being redeemed. So I know I threw a lot of different things out there, but the the thing that I think gets you stuck in the trap is that um, without without truly believing and accepting that you have been saved and that grace has redeemed you from your sins I, I'll just like repose a question then like are you really saved then if you're if you're not pulled out of your darkness and redeemed from the sin that you're stuck in because of grace, mm -hmm. are you saved then? I have a quick thought. So to avoid the trap of just like justifying and validating 
like, God's grace is enough for this. God's grace is enough for this. And, like, ridding yourself of the consequence. Because I've been there before, and I've, um, I've reminded myself, like, do not be ignorant, Julia, to your human condition. Like, every time, every time you sin, yes, God's grace is enough, but you are separating yourself from God, like, a step back each time. Um, and that's hard as humans to find that fine line of, like, I am forgiven, thank you, God, I don't deserve this, this is absurd. <clears throat> and also that correction aspect of, okay, well, I have <clears throat> free will in this moment to take a step forward rather than stay where I am stagnant or to take a step back and practically what does that look like um reading up those verses that suck to look at <laughs> the ones that are like uh, the human heart is so deceitful and evil who can know it who can understand it and like the cries of david um asking like search me oh god like look at my heart see what is wicked like uproot it and lead me in the way of everlasting life or create a clean heart in me oh god and like renew a steadfast spirit within me and like that can get exhausting because truth be told i could say that several times a day and just be like geez like when am i gonna get it but constantly having that reminder of you know i'm pretty i'm pretty evil and every time that i choose to not operate in the spirit i am separating myself from god and do i want that and i mean i would think that everybody who has even the littlest affection for christ would say no i don't want that yeah so that helps that helps me stay out of the trap of like continued or repeated sin where it's just like thank you god for your grace and mercy here Mm -hmm. thank you god for your grace and mercy you're Mm -hmm. so good here it's like oh but what am i doing to me and god you know yeah i think that there's like the 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 trap, it leads a couple of different places, but really the thing is, is that you can be forgiven for any sin, mm-hmm. but you cannot escape the consequences mm. right. for every sin. Yeah. Right. Like I still deal with consequences today for sins that I had in my life when I was a teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I still have to deal with yeah. consequences and um, it sucks and you cannot, you like, you, you can't escape that. You can't right. escape the consequences. Has God forgiven me? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I saved by grace? Absolutely. However, I do not escape the consequence and we try to justify and trick our own selves mm-hmm. that, well, yeah, I'm forgiven by grace. It's all good. And we think we want that right. to mean so that means I get to escape consequences yeah, and forgiveness Yeah, no, but there's still like God yeah, God cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, but the consequence is right in your back pocket. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah, so teaching people about the misery and the stuff that attends sin is a really good way of deterring sin without suggesting that sin can't be forgiven. And I think also uh, just just the case that the more you sin, it sort of warps you and hardens you and mm-hmm. could turn you into the type of person who doesn't want to be forgiven anymore, who is no longer seeking forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads us into our next question, which is there a sin which is unforgivable? And so normally where people go with this is Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Jesus is saying, therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. 
-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? This is interesting. Like, I've read this before and not entirely known what it meant, and I still don't entirely understand why, like, that one specific part of the Trinity is pulled. And also, uh, won't be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Like, those, those words are super odd when you compare them to all of the, I don't want to say frilly or gracious parts of salvation, but pastors, what... What have you studied on this verse or understand as far as what blaspheming the Holy Spirit even means or what that looks like? Like, how do I know today before I go to bed if I have blasphemed mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit? Oops. <laughs> well, let me say uh, real quick, and I'll, I'll pass it to you, Caleb, if you want to answer this, because uh, I don't want people hating me. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would assume we have the exact same answer. So uh, in Mark 3, though, in Mark 3, um, it's a little bit more concise. Um, and the end of Jesus' sentence here, he says, this is a sin with eternal consequences. So in Matthew, where it's a little bit more expanded, that says, um, you know, you will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Mark 3 in the, in the New Living Translation says, this is a sin with eternal consequences. So therefore, is not forgiven. But so what, uh, you know, this is... It's challenging to understand, one, because we don't hear it ever again in Scripture. Like, mm-hmm. there is never a time in the rest of the New Testament where blaspheming the Holy Spirit ever comes up. In fact, this is, these two times are the only time. There's a, there's, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right. but it's not, it's not anywhere expanded else. on anywhere like John, else. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Paul doesn't talk about it. The people who wrote some of those other books, they don't talk about it. We don't, right? So it happens three times. And they all say the same thing, so mm-hmm. that doesn't help us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... The first question to ask is, okay, what is blaspheming? And I will ask you guys that. What is blaspheming in your general understanding of the Bible? What would you say that is? Because it makes more sense if we break it down. Because if we understand what the sin of blaspheming is and we add it to the Holy Spirit, um, we'll better understand this. I'll take this one. Go for it, Michael. So I view at least in this context of blaspheming the Holy Spirit as like a wholesale rejection or defiance of the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. And so the issue here, the way I've always understood this passage is that it isn't that Christ can't forgive this. He says that it shall not be forgiven, that it will not be forgiven, that it will have eternal consequences. And so a good way of understanding this passage is in reference to Psalm 51, which is King David repenting of his sins and in that psalm if you look he's super afraid of god Mm -hmm. removing his holy spirit from him he's not thinking about all the other consequences of his sins the earthly consequences his main concern is please do not take your holy spirit from me Yeah. yeah and i think the reason why blaspheming the holy spirit has both eternal consequences and is unforgivable is because the spirit of god is what sanctifies you and turns you into the image of christ so if you don't have that that's a bad deal. Yeah, so it, it works like this. We say this every single week at United. Um, the way to be saved is how do you how do you get saved? We, we said it a million. Oh, times. put him on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are two things, right? You also say it every week at the summit. So <laughs> every single literally, week. you hear this. Uh, so far, the past nine, eight months that I've known you guys, you hear this four times every single week. Four times a week. Four times a week. There's two things. So don't mess it up. Thing number one. (laughs) Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Yeah, Yeah, believe in your heart. What? What are we believing in our hearts? 
That Jesus is Lord. Yes, and what are we confessing? That he saved us from our sins. Indeed, right? Um, if you want to be saved, you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that there's power in his resurrection that God raised him from the dead and confess that with your mouth that that is true for your life, right? So, blaspheming that is saying, or the opposite of that would to be to say, um, no, God doesn't have the power to raise Jesus from the dead and therefore has no effect on my life, right? And so, it, so think of it this way. It's not as though, like, you can commit this sin when you are a Christian, mm-hmm. right? You can't, right? Because you have already accepted the Holy Spirit. You can't say, I don't believe God has the power to save me from sin, right? Like, you say that before you're a Christian, which means that there's already eternal consequences to this, mm-hmm. right? It's You're saved or you're not saved, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not mm-hmm. saved, the, there are consequences in this life and there's consequences in that life. So that makes sense of that second part. Right, so if you're if you don't believe, if you're blaspheming and saying, "God, I don't believe that you raised God Jesus from the dead, and I don't believe that you have the power to save me," you're not going to be saved, and therefore you're not going to have well eternal life. Hence the consequences in the future. But if you've been saved, if you already believed that, if you already accepted that, and God has gifted you that faith, it's not like you're going to go back and say, "Oh, you know what? I don't think that's true, right? Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. Like there's a there's an equation, and once you make it to the other side of the equal sign, mm-hmm. um, like you stay put, right? Um, that was a really bad and, analogy, and, actually. And, that was <laughs> you can uh, algebra. You can just flip those things all the time. <laughs> we'll give you the pass. Yeah. yeah. That's why I hated algebra. We should note at this point that the Christians who do do that, who confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, who confess with their mouth that and then turn around and live in under. Yeah, probably didn't believe it didn't in their hearts. Right. Yep. Yeah. They, 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 they were missing half of the mm-hmm. recipe there. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, it's not like it's a it's some. It's not like you're, it's not a speaking of words, so to speak. Like, you're not going to say something mm-hmm. that you so piss off the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that, like, that's, that's not true. how this works. Yeah. It, blaspheming is saying, <laughs> you are not God. You have no, you have no power here. Um, <laughs> and I don't want you in my life. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, right? And, yeah. and that's what keeps you separated because you're not believing that God, in fact, has the power to save you. And, in fact, you've got a problem that needs saving right that's so, what blaspheming the spirit is so if, if we look at this yeah no you're right and i think if we look at this in context because you brought up a good point of that hey this is mentioned three times and it's all within the same story yeah. essentially just three different accounts of it right and if you look at it in context what jesus is doing here this is after he just cast out a demon yeah and the pharisees are like jesus is the prince of demons right like he must be and because he just cast out those demons, so he's not doing this by God's work. He's doing this by Satan's work. Yeah. That's the only way to explain this. What's and the, what's, what, do, what do they call it? It starts with a B, the name for Beelzebub. Yeah, Beelzebub, yeah. that's it. And so what he does um, is, uh, man, I love Jesus, gives him a Jesus juke, and he's like, let me tell you something <laughs> <Jesus> here. <laughs> I, can, I love it. Because he says, can Satan be against Satan? Yeah, can, can a house, house be divided, be divided yeah. and still stand? Can a kingdom be against itself and still stand? And so he's like basically just asking these Pharisees, like, are y'all some idiots? Like, right. of course I'm not of Satan. I can't cast out Satan if I'm of Satan. Like, right. that doesn't work, right? Yeah, why would so, I do that? Would, that doesn't make any I sense. Throw more demons and in so there, what he's <laughs> telling them, he's illustrating this point, is he's yeah. saying you are saying that the work of the Holy Spirit that you just witnessed is not of the Holy Spirit. And that is Mm -hmm. the blaspheming. Like to say that I'm attributing this miracle that you just did to 
darkness to Satan, to the devil, like I'm attributing that miracle to the devil. That is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit within this context. And when you do that again, uh, to bring it into the context that here and now, the consequences that we can, we can face from it is exactly what you said is that we say the Holy Spirit cannot change my life because I do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. So it is impossible at that point. And it makes me think too, it makes me think of there's this curious uh, verse in Exodus that says, um, this, yeah, I know how much you love the Old Testament. Your eyes just got huge. So this is like my favorite. So that's I also use the word curious as well. So I figured that was good for you. But, um, so there's this, there's this, uh, particular verse and I don't remember the exact chapter, but it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. that's. It says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's such a weird thing to think. Like, wait, why did God harden his heart? And what it, what it does now, see, I'm jumping all over the Bible. It Whoa. takes us back to Romans, all the way to Romans. Oh, I thought 1. you were going John 12. All nope. right, Romans, Romans 1. Romans 1. Romans 1 says that God gave over people yeah. Oh, yeah, into yeah. their sin. Right. right. The consequence Basically, for our sin yes, and the punishment it, is more sin. Absolutely. Yeah. Gave them over into their sin so that mm-hmm. they would see, like, how depraved they are. Yeah. yeah. Like, he gave them over to these consequences so that they would realize that they needed. So, okay. If we put all, yeah. If we put all this stuff together, we say, okay, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh's heart had to have been hardened at some point by himself. God allowed him to continue in that direction so that God's glory could be revealed. And the book of Exodus, by the way, is basically just a telling of the gospel before the gospel was happening. So um, we see this. We see this in Romans that God gave over people under the consequences of sin so that they could be revealed to his power. But if someone chooses to not be revealed to his power and not allow the Holy Spirit to Mm -hmm. speak to them because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals us or reveals Jesus to us. If that doesn't happen, then we cannot be forgiven Mm -hmm. because we have not therefore asked for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So it's like... It's still there, but it's almost impossible because we've allowed our heart, if, if this was us, we would have allowed our heart to get so hard. Like this is what you said that was one of the traps, right? You allow your heart to get so hard that now it cannot be changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like someone who might bring up, and I've had this conversation, you were talking about like, how do you reconcile this man who allowed these dogs to eat this boy? uh, If he could be in heaven, like, how do you reconcile that? And I've heard that same thought of like, well, could God have saved Hitler? Like before, uh, before he killed himself, what if he said a prayer? Would he go to heaven? And my answer to that is, well, yeah, probably. But he didn't do that. Like, if we look at if we look at his life, if we look at his life, his heart would have been so hardened that it would have been pretty much impossible for him to for the light bulb to turn on. Because we use the the story of the thief on the cross to justify those last moment things, right? But Mm -hmm. the difference between what I assume Hitler, granted, it wasn't there in his last moments, so we can't for sure know. But um, between Hitler and him, for example, is that there. This man had a repentant. Like, he's on the cross, and he's like, man, I, I deserve to be up here. Mm-hmm. But this he guy knew. doesn't, yeah. right? Right. And it's like, I there's something about this guy that I know that his power, everything that I know about him is the only thing at this point mm-hmm. uh, that can save me, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a difference between, yeah, I screwed up you know, my whole life, um, but I know that I am a depraved person who needs, mm-hmm. right. like, a wretched, wretched person who needs yeah. 
like saving and right. this guy hanging right next to me is the only one that can do it yeah. like there's yep. a difference between that and Hitler who's like man yeah yeah the yeah. self-righteousness is the real killer yeah it's like you know the thief on the cross admitting that he deserved right. to be there was like the crucial point yeah and that's a that's not a trivial point it's really really hard to admit that you're a fallen and broken person yeah and if you think it's easy it's just because you're not telling yourself the truth about yourself. well Jesus right. told the like the poster children, the poster boys for self-righteousness, the Pharisees, like, this is who Jesus was telling, hey, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna be forgiven. Right. Like, he's telling the self-righteousness. It's not the man that he just delivered from an evil spirit. Right. Right. Like, it's the people that, the Pharisees that were saying, ah, you must be Satan. Like, Mm -hmm. so absolutely, like, we wanna say that, oh, well, the worst thing is the people who are just inherently evil. We're all inherently evil. The the biggest threat to this is someone who says, I don't need a savior. Yeah. Right. I'm good. Yeah. I'm right. good. Well, like we talked Fairly. about uh, last night at United. Like, I'm, I'm good with my moralistic views. Yeah. If I do the right things, then I can be my own savior and I don't need anybody yeah. else. Those are also the people who claim something like a false messiah status and they claim a monopoly on the path forward into a utopia and then they can justify anything to get there so you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet was one of the sayings that they used to use in the soviet uh during the russian revolution yeah. so when you have a person who thinks i know the way and only i know the way then you can expend anybody in the path to get there because of your so-called moral purity so you should be very 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 leery of people which is are... fascinating because jesus did the exact opposite he says i know the way and i'm the one willing to be broken not dispense of other people mm-hmm. so that they can get there right like that's the huge difference between those two things well and one of them was god and the other ones aren't but, you know. <laughs> so let's, let's, sure. let's rapid fire two quick points on this before we move on to the final question um the first point is in my opinion we should never, ever, ever accuse someone else of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because we are not omniscient and we yeah. can't see the condition of their heart. Right, and it's not like it's an action. Like, if you're worried that you're going to walk through your day and accidentally do it and be like, ah, I'm screwed now for all eternity. Like, that's not how this works. It's oh, not like a, you committed something. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God. oh, no. Like, you don't just waltz into this in your daily life. It's just yeah. saying, I don't believe that God can do this. Yeah. And it's, it's, a continual, yeah, it's a continual disbelief. Right. Like, you're not just going to one day, oops. Like, that's not how this works. So, kind of like rule of thumb, if you're concerned that you may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you probably haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Right, because people who have aren't concerned about it. Right, for sure. Okay, so the the second thing here is just like a note on suicide, because I think there is a very Mm. popular misconception that suicide is an unforgivable sin. And I think that this actually comes from the Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas. And uh, during his time, they had a real sort of problem with suicide. Or at least a misunderstanding of it. Yeah, right. So so the idea is that I think that the Catholic Church was trying to stigmatize suicide because suicide was leading to a devalue, like a a dehumanization of the value of human life. And Mm -hmm. it was causing other sorts of things like euthanasia, institutional suicide, and the uh, forced murder of convicted criminals. And I'm not talking about like murders here. I'm talking about like, oh, you stole that piece of gum off, off to the, the gallows, head. yeah. Um, so I can see their motivation for wanting to pull back on suicide yeah. a little bit, um, but calling it an unforgi- mm-hmm. unforgivable sin, in my estimation, is not accurate. Well, yeah. it's it's this logic. Like, if I you can't ask for forgiveness from like if there is if you've asked for forgiveness for every single sin you've done and then you commit suicide and that's a sin, right? Like you can't ask for forgiveness on that one, right? Because you're not mm-hmm. alive to do so, and it's, it's like. 
that's the I think it's conceived as the one sin that goes punished because you never ask for forgiveness, but this is the wrong wrong way to conceive forgiveness in the first place. Like Christ took all of that, right? You don't have to go it is good to because it changes your heart and moves you towards the right direction in life, but it's not like you have to go and say Oh Lord, uh, I have sinned every single time, and every single time I need a new set of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, this forgiveness already happened, right? Like, mm-hmm. just you know. And I, I, this is a com- actually I've had this conversation like four or five times now as a pastor because I've had parishioners whose grandsons, mm-hmm. daughters, whatever it might be, like took their lives, right? And there is that thought. It's like, well, they didn't ask for forgiveness for this thing, and it's like, no, no. Like Christ already took all of the sin of the world, this one included, upon Himself, right? So if He was right with God, this doesn't matter. Like, it's not that it's unforgiven. It was already forgiven in the past. Mm -hmm. All past, present, and future sins have been taken. So I have a question to that. So I I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I completely had the preconceived thought. Like, any, there were several kids that I grew up with in high school that took their own life, and I was horrified for them because, in my understanding, they were going to hell if they committed suicide. That's, That's always what I thought for the longest time. So, now that we've established that all sin is forgiven and suicide isn't necessarily grouped into this alternative area of you didn't get your chance to be forgiven, what do you say to the people who are maybe on the brink and they were just looking for the justification of this can be forgiven? What do you say? Mm-hmm. I would what say... What do you say in, as a child of Christ to them, what do you say? If all they were looking for is, I want to get out, but I don't feel like I'd be forgiven for this, and I fear for my eternal um, damnation if I do this. But Because um, my fear is that people would hear this and be like, oh mm-hmm. gosh, okay, well then that's my out. So what do you say? Well, so there is a good reason to, uh, and I think this kind of gets folded into maybe Aquinas's rationale for making this claim um, because you don't want to make suicide look like a direct pathway to heaven for people because if you're having a really hard time and you're depressed which was actually a problem in the early church people you know Paul says to die is to gain and people are like okay (laughs) right right like that is in certain sects of Christianity that came out and Paul had to go say like no 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 like don't do that that's a bad idea (laughs) yeah so I would say to, to people that are having those kinds of ideations first obviously if you haven't you need to seek professional help um, and the second thing is, this is not an out. It's not a way out of your grief. It is a transfer of your grief onto everyone who is in orbit of your life. Everyone yeah. who's close to you, all of your loved ones are going to live with this for the rest of their life, and they're not going to be able to escape it. Um, and so if you think that it's just an easy way out, you need to reevaluate that thought. Again, there's <clears throat> there's consequences. And... I might get pushback on this, uh, but I, I've actually had this conversation with people as well, and I am not willing to make a claim of I know what is I know for sure this is forgiven and it's going to be okay. Like, and I'm not saying that either one of you are doing that. Right. Um, my hang-up here is if I were to take my own life, I am becoming Lord of my life mm. in that moment. In that in that split second, mm-hmm. I'm saying, I control everything. I'm Lord, mm. and that's that's the hang up for me. Like I actually got into a a very heated argument with one of my good friends when I was I think I don't know 23 or so about 10 years ago. Yeah, about this, and he was 
angry with me and I just said, dude, I just don't know. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but how could I say that I'm going to take my own life, who the giver of which was God, yeah. mm-hmm. and not be calling myself God? Like, right. I am in that moment calling myself God. Yeah. I'm saying I control when I live and when I die. Mm-hmm. And if we want to say, like, like, that I think to me is the ultimate playing of God. I think whether yeah. you murder someone else or whether you murder yourself, that is the ultimate playing of God because you're deciding when life happens and when life does not happen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where I would hang up on this, and that's where I would be like, yeah, I I would have the same issue of like if I think that it's forgivable, then someone who's super who's who's super depressed right. and who is in a super weakened state could say, okay, well then I can ex- escape all this, and you know what, my family will be taken care of. God's going to take care of them. Yes, they'll have grief, but they'll be taken care of. And I think that is super dangerous. And yeah. I think that. That we have to look at it as well okay but we're not God and we don't know everything and yes everything is forgiven but is this part of saying I am Lord over my own life and is in that moment saying and I don't I don't know the answer mm, yeah. I'm asking so, mm-hmm. not you to give me an answer I right. think it's rhetorical like yeah. can we leave space there to say Ugh, Maybe not. That I mean, might that might actually lead in lead into this uh, yeah. blaspheming of saying you're not Lord. You can't handle this. I'm I'm I've kind of been in the same place. I mean, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up hearing that taking your own life is an unforgivable sin. That people who commit suicide go to hell, um, <clears throat> and so <clears throat> my own kind of thought process and belief behind it I think is similar to yours Kendall in that um, you know like if I if I'm to what drives people to such a dark place in their life that they take their own life um, it's the weight of their guilt and shame or it is um, the the weight of sin the weight of the circumstances that um, they're in. And so I think to get to the ultimate decision that I can't be saved from these things or that um, God can't use these things to redeem me or that I don't believe um, that God um, has said that I am his son if I am choosing in that moment to refuse to believe those things and like you said you're taking action and lordship into your own hands and saying um you know making the ultimate decision to say that no none of that is true there is not a god or a way for me to be redeemed or have a way out of this situation that i'm in and so yeah i would agree with you and say that i don't i don't know what i think so I, I, would think, just, I would just ask you to entertain this question. This isn't an answer to the question. It's just a, another thought to toss around. Because Christ also said there's no greater love than to lay down your own life for your friends. And so that's you taking agency over yourself in the form of like a sacrifice. In a sense, Christ on the cross is his decision to give up his own life for the salvation of humanity. And so it really does depend on whether or not suicide in this respect is classified as sinful depends on the 
why behind it. Because you're still taking agency over the future of your own course if you're sacrificing yourself for, let's say, your platoon or whatever it might be, jumping on a grenade or, or however, you know, you can think of all kinds of different ways that people choose to end their own life for the betterment of those around them. And so is that still suicide? Is it still suicide in a I don't think, sense? I, don't, I think in a, in a clear definition, yes. Like if you were to look at the Webster's Dictionary of taking your life, well, yes. But I think mm, sacrifice nah. and suicide are... Yeah. But yeah, there's still maybe. agency in both of those, though. Like you're still choosing. You, yes, you're the one who's, yes. who's, who's claiming the agency over over your course. But if we look We're at any, but if we look at any sin in the Bible, or any choice in the Bible, or any anything that Jesus talks about, it is all about a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the matter of the heart in sacrifice is mm. for the betterment of others. Right. For sure. Yeah. A matter of the heart in just depressed suicide mm-hmm. is I am completely broken mm-hmm. and there is no hope for me. Yeah. And I, Caleb, I want you to say whatever you have to say, but I, I would say this is like, I'm also, because I don't have all the answers, I'm not making a bl- blanket statement on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. want to believe. I yeah. know of a kid back home who's 12 years old mm. who took his life. 12 years old. Yeah. Because he was so overcome with shame and, and feared like basically uh he feared his father being upset with him for breaking another computer that like his dad bought him or something like that. That's a very condensed story. But anyways, um, and he took his own life based off of shame and fear mm-hmm. and depression. But he's also 12 years old and he also can't fully like yeah. comprehend well, what's going on. And so like I, I also would pray and hope, God, that there is space and grace yeah, for that. Right. But I, that's why I wouldn't make a blanket statement. But I would also say that that is not a that is not a fire that I'm willing to play with. Yeah. Like okay. I would not be willing to play with that fire of yeah. well, because right. I've been super depressed in my life. Yeah. I have been. I've been to the point where I've thought of suicide. Yeah. And it comes to the point of there has got to be hope somewhere else. Yeah. There has yeah. to be. Well, and that's like uh, this is just from personal experience. So my grandfather took his own life when I was five, and then I was suicidal when I was like eighteen, uh, seventeen, eighteen. Um, and, and I don't know for my grandfather, but I imagine the case was similar to mine. It's like you, it's not that I ever thought I am God and in control over my life. It's mm-hmm. that I was so tormented and plagued by, um, the powers of this world warping my mind in a way that I'm not making cognitive decisions for myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not making good reasonable decisions for my life anymore. And it's like, so at what point do we say... Um, this person, like the pride and egotism of this person to say they're God versus Satan's got a hold of this person. Yeah. So much so that they can't make decisions for themselves anymore and it leads to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be cases where what you said is true, but it, I know for at least me, like the latter was true. Like it was just mm-hmm. my my yeah. mind was so twisted Um that it, I never once thought, like, oh, man, I'm God and can take my life. It, it, like, I have right. complete control over my life. It was like, I am so twisted in thinking that my life has no value mm-hmm. because of what Satan has done to me. Um, that I'm not even just, I'm just not making decisions for myself anymore, right? Right. At least not in the ways that I would have. And, and so that's, that's why I wouldn't make a blanket yeah, statement. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, that's not I, why you're willing but to But also, this. I also don't want to make a blanket statement the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I fear that we were heading in that direction. And so, like, <laughs> well, I, I don't mean, want to just, make that statement. Let's just do this. If you're a Christian, are you going to heaven? 
Is there any sin? Did Jesus ever say anything other than blaspheming the Holy Spirit that is unforgivable? People were committing suicide in Jesus' day, and he never once said... Yeah. Judas... All right, yeah, Judas. Yeah, Judas committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think... I have, least... a, I have a feeling we might see Jesus, Judas in heaven. I think it's possible. Yeah, I just would not this is, take this a is claim all speculate. Hear this from all of us. We yeah. might disagree, but it comes from ignorance and, and we don't know, right? And so we have to speak with wisdom as much as we can, right? When you don't know something, mm-hmm. you have to be prudent with your thought and action. So we might disagree with this, mm-hmm. um, but we're still, both still like, yeah, we're not God. We don't know, right? Yeah. Like we're hoping, actually, we're hoping for the same thing. We're just coming at different angles. Yeah, and this. the wisdom in this, Yeah, if you're listening to this and you have thought about suicide, the wisest thing that you can do is to talk to somebody about that. Yeah. To go Absolutely. to someone that mm-hmm. you trust about that. Yeah. And to tell them how hopeless and depressed or how hurting you are. Right. Because when you do that, you can then see the love of God. Yeah. And you can see the hope that he has for you. Yeah. And you can see the life that he has for you through someone else right. because you might not be able to see that right now yeah. but the bible says that if you take on the burdens of one another that you bear the burdens of one another that you are taking on the law of Christ you are right. helping you are helping to redeem other people yeah. so that they can see the light that is there um, and that's so, why we're united we yeah. do this together like we're here for you if this mm-hmm. is like we want to take this on with you like otherwise we're not united and we might as well just close up shop right? absolutely like, we're here for these very things yeah so if you're feeling this way um, and I didn't realize that the podcast was going to go this way you yeah. could have given me a heads up Michael <laughs> <laughs> um, no I, I I will say this is if you are dealing with any of these thoughts and you ever have then please reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to, to us on our Instagram, at United IUP, or uh, email me personally at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, at summitpa.church, because we want to talk with you, we yeah. want to help you, and we want you to see that there is hope, that yeah. it might seem hopeless, and like it is completely a, a just a dark void right now, but that is not the truth. I think it's fair to say that a lot of us have been there. I mean, I yeah. don't know everybody's stories in and out, but like, I'm pretty sure maybe all of us at some point have at least had the death wish of like, you know, I'd really rather just be with Jesus tomorrow instead of taking another yeah. day. So, um, and I think it's incredibly fair to say that God doesn't want that for you. Yeah. At all. I, don't think so. I mean, Jesus came that we would have life and life abundant, and He put us on this earth as instruments for his glory. Why would he ever ask you to give up on that? Yeah. Okay, so we got one more, and then we'll wrap this up. The question is... <laughs> Sorry, I took that down that road. Sorry, guys, I'm but not, I thought it was important. No, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was important. important. We did, yeah, we needed that. For sure. Um, the, the question is, what if I've gone too far? And I think that the reason why this question is a question well, because people are bad and they do really bad things and they think they've gone too far. But another reason is because there are examples in the Old Testament of societies and cultures who uh, develop into like a fullness of a maturity in their sin and God just wipes them out. Yeah. Like, there's no chance for them. And so I think people think on an individual level, oh, maybe I can end up being like that society and be wiped out. Um, but the thing that I would just say on this point is that there are examples in the New Testament, like the thief on the cross. I mean, you had to be really bad to be sentenced to crucifixion. And so he probably did a, a lot of really bad things in his life. Probably murdered someone. Oh, for sure. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, 
murdered people. Facilitated the persecution and murders of Christians. And then Christ got a hold of him and transformed him into the guy who wrote the lion's share of the New Testament. And so there's, our God is very powerful and his grace is is, uh, infinite as far as we're concerned. Um, So, okay, so what do you think about that question? What if I've gone too far? What if there's someone listening to this uh, and they've done some really horrific things and when they come to United, when they show up, they hear the preaching and they think, yeah, that's good, it it sounds nice, it makes sense, but I've done this. Yeah. What would you say to that person? I think it goes back to what Kendall said about, like, where your heart is. And so if you're even thinking about the fact, like, is what I've done redeemable or not, you're already in a place of being able to be forgiven and be redeemed. It's the people, like you said earlier, that... uh, could not care less about what they have done or even think about the possibility of ever even wanting to be saved or could I be saved that are probably past that threshold mm-hmm. of going what we're going to call too far. You know what I mean? I think it it's that kind of line of where your heart is at about like, am I going to even consider what salvation could look like for me or do I not? even care at all do I not even believe that that could be a thing that's good I was gonna say the same thing if you're even in thinking about that right like it's like the whole don't worry if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit because if you're thinking that you haven't yet like you're on the right track and I think that if you're thinking but have I gone too far that is to me that's not even your own thought like that's a thought that's planted by well yeah that's well or that's planted by the devil that says honestly uh, you've gone too far Um, (laughs) but the other side of that is like well, but have I really? Like, yeah. I think that with the change in in uh, in heart of, but have I really? Like, is there still hope for me? I think that's the question, right? right? Is there still hope for me? And that's the question that I think is planted by the Holy Spirit. Is yeah. there still hope for me? Because it would be a resounding yes. yes. And the reason why is because you look through the entire Bible and the people that he used <laughs> to, uh, oh gosh, yeah. that God used. I mean, Let's even just start with the fact that Israel was a people that was started by a swindler, like by a dude that was a liar, yeah. <laughs> by a guy Hold that swindled. Life. Yes, that's, yeah. I mean, all kinds of wrong stuff with yeah. this dude. The like, yet, pinnacle of Israel, David, is like a rapist and a murderer. Yes, <laughs> I mean, absolutely, like, God uses these people yeah. because he knows that we are so sinful garbage but he knows <laughs> but he also fire. knows that there is a a hope for redemption yeah. that he set up yeah. and that's the reason why you can't be too far gone yeah like mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. i fully believe that even though god hardened pharaoh's heart that if one of those plagues actually softened pharaoh's heart for a moment if he realized oh my gosh i'm i am in the wrong here genuinely i think if he believed that which i think actually when his son died i think he He did believe that for a moment yeah i think for a moment he was grieving and he realized i am not god yeah the god of the israelites is god i've got to let them go i think in that moment he started to see it and then he got, got then his anger took a hold yeah. of him and then he chased after them again and then he died. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully believe that even Pharaoh, whose heart had been hardened, was not too far gone for God's redemption. Yeah. And that was before Jesus even. Yeah. But I feel like 
that that was the case because we see that throughout. I mean, you mentioned Paul, like that fool killed Christians. The disciples were scared of him. They were like, don't let him come with us. He's faking it. He's going to kill us all. (laughs) Like he's undercover right now, right? They were terrified of this dude. He's an imposter. And yet God used him to really shape, shape the actual religion of Christianity. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you are not too far gone. I would say if you're thinking that, you are in a good place because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is saying, Working on you. no, you're not. Yeah. Look at all that I've mm-hmm. done. And so, yeah, I think that there's the answer. There's your answer right there. One of the <laughs> cool things about working in prison ministry that I've done in the years past is, uh, I mean, you're put in fa- like face-to-face with what society considers the worst of the worst. Like I've met child rapists and murderers who met Jesus. And it's like, man, their story, like, if society's ever going to promulgate that a person can't is too far gone, it's going to be a child rapist, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what right. we have deemed the worst of the worst. And I've met them who've met Jesus, and their lives have been completely changed. And they're going to be in prison for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. but they have their lives have been drastically changed because, the, you know, they said, I'm not too far gone. Like, the Holy Spirit got a hold of them and said, I am a wretched person for this action I have committed. But even then... Like, God can still use me. Yeah. And, like, ministries have mm-hmm. come up in prisons because someone was changed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they said, I'm not too far gone, and neither are you. Right. And like, yeah. God yeah. God still wants me. I have made a bad decision, but I am still wanted by God. Yeah, you should never allow your shame or your guilt to keep you away from a life-giving church. And the depth of your depravity is proportionate to the greatness of the story that's going to come out of you and glorify God, you know, if you turn yourself around, if you allow yourself to be turned around. Um Guys, we did an hour, so um, this, this conversation really blossomed. I'm happy about that. That's so, a good one. Uh, I just want to let you guys know, if you're watching this, listening to this, to come out to United Tuesday nights. The first Tuesday, the first Tuesday. of the month. The yes. first Tuesday Changed. The first Tuesday yes. of the month. That's 727. <laughs> you the can see theater. it in Michael's face. He's like, oh, 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 all the information that you need is right there. You need to get involved with those because the Unites are going down to once a month. And so that means that you're going to have a really good opportunity to have some intimate conversations with people just like the one that yeah. we had here. Yeah, like the one and, we just had. Uh, that's going to change your life in a really significant way. And that change is going to bleed out into other areas of your life. And you will, you will wonder what you did without it. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Bye. See, see you. you. I totally forgot that we were doing a watching portion of this. <laughs> Leave that there. 